the time is now, and uh, if we don't, other countries who've recognised the potential of regenerative medicine, not just as an industry, but for the benefit of their health expenditure in future, everyone's getting a little bit older. Uh, countries like Japan, and, and some that we might not recognise immediately, like Korea, are really investing heavily in, in this sector. Welcome to the MTP Connect podcast. I'm Stuart Dignam, General Manager of Corporate Communications and Policy at MTP Connect. Today, we're going to meet one of our program partners, one of the projects that we support through the Growth Centre Program Fund. We're also going to explore one of the burgeoning fields of Australian health and medical research. So let's uh, get straight into it and meet our guest. Silvio Tiziani is the CEO of CCRM Australia. He's also a director of the Australian Regenerative Medicine Institute, or ARMY. Silvio, welcome. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. So your project, which is CCRM Australia, tell us about that. Tell us how that actually came about. This is actually a, a fairly exciting project for us. I, I work at Monash University at the Australian Regenerative Medicine Institute. We're a, a, a group of 230 staff and students who focus on regenerative medicine, and I guess we'll need an explanation for that in a second. Mm. But uh, one of the ideas behind medical research is actually to do something with that research that leads to therapies. The commercialisation is critically important. And the Centre for Commercialisation of Regenerative Medicine is our initiative to actually facilitate that commercialisation. And you have a range of industry partners in this initiative. Mm. Commercialisation of regenerative medicine, or in fact most therapies, actually requires industry input, a number of different levels. Industry is good at telling us what therapies actually can be or need to be uh, developed. And they are also a good source for support for that commercialisation. Hence, uh, an integration with industry is critical for research uh, that, that is conducted today. In fact, a lot of the government support programs for research actually uh, help to integrate academics and industry uh, so that they can work together. Mm. And that's obviously a big driver for MTP Connect is to support collaboration between research and, and industry. So we've been busy building up a network uh, of uh, regenerative medicine companies in Australia along with the researchers involved in regenerative medicine and a lot of other key stakeholders in the sector and that includes organisations such as the Stem Cell Foundation, the National Stem Cell Foundation, government departments who are keen to support uh, the development of this sector and obviously MTP Connect has been a, a very major source of support for us. And how's it going? Uh, I think pretty good. Um, it's interesting to think about uh, the origin of CCRM, which uh, is a not-for-profit uh, centre established in North America, actually, by the Canadian government. Uh, five or six years ago, the Canadian government recognised that the sector, their sector, uh, needed support, established a not-for-profit, seeded it with uh, a $15 million injection. And over the last six or seven years, CCRM has been able to turn that into around about $600 million worth of projects, all focused on developing 
regenerative medicine sector. They've been very successful. We're trying to emulate that. It would be good to have $15 million. We don't quite need that much. But, <laughs> is, that a, is that a bid? Uh, if we can make a bid, that would be great. You just sign on the, on the blank cheque, please. But the, the initial uh, reason for why we are doing this, apart from my institute requiring uh, the expertise that's provided through something like the Centre for Commercialisation of Regenerative Medicine is that we can tap into their resources, their industry connections in North America and some of the other hubs that they are developing. So we are CCRM Australia. We're a hub independent of CCRM but modelled on their uh, operational model. Uh, in terms of success, uh, we've been going now for a little bit under two years. We've been able to establish an industry consortium and and introduced our industry to North American companies. We've been able to introduce training programs for those people who want to get into the business of regenerative medicine. And there is a lot of interest uh, from early career researchers and uh, uh, students who, who want to perhaps leave the academic sector still be involved in, in regenerative medicine and uh, looking for a pathway into industry. We're able to help them with that. But more importantly, we're able to connect with other regenerative medicine centres around the world so uh, and create introductions for our companies and our researchers. And, and a good example of that might be uh, a recent consortium of regenerative medicine companies that have been formed in Israel who are very keen to work with us, us being Australia, and uh, uh, facilitating introductions for those companies to our researchers and our companies. And it's difficult to know where a lot of these introductions will will uh, end up, but you know that down the track uh, a meeting between two people with similar objectives can lead to uh, very positive outcomes. Yeah, so collaboration, linkages, including global linkages. So those are some of the elements it takes to, to drive commercialisation. Mm-hmm. Talk us through a little bit more about, about that. What does it actually take to commercialise or the business of, of regenerative medicine? It actually uh, requires an understanding of that at every stage of the, the development of technology. It, it requires the researchers who are involved in what they might consider blue sky research to have a a view of where that research might go and uh, bring in the expertise that's needed at that point in time, even before they know they've got a product, as to uh, provide advice as to what markets might exist out there. Uh, the commercialisation expertise that's needed is also uh, different to the research expertise that's needed. So it's a, a, a partnership, if you like, between the scientist who, who really understands the technology and the commercialisation expert who understands the commercialisation process. Quite a lot of commercialisation ventures have failed in the past when scientists develop a technology and then proceed to commercialisation without the the technical expertise that's needed. There's also the uh, 
very important element of collaboration. There may be someone who is working on a particular technology or product or idea on one side of the world that uh, needs to meet up with somebody else on the other side of the world that might have a complementary or an additive benefit to their research. So it's very important that you're aware of what's happening around the world, not just in your lab. And then there's always the issue of funding uh, to progress the development. Um, and we think at CCRM we can provide uh, uh, elements of all of those as and when they're needed. Mm. Well, I think at this juncture we probably should uh, explain a little bit more about regenerative medicine, what, it, what, what actually is it that uh, the researchers are toiling away on and that you're looking to yeah. help commercialise. There's a lot of different definitions of regenerative medicine depending on what your background is, but the more common uh, form of words that I find useful for me at least is it's any technology that allows us to repair or replace tissue uh, that needs to be repaired or replaced. So with uh, the ageing population, a number of degenerative diseases that are occurring, uh, there is a lot of trauma that happens in your lifetime. So regenerative medicine is anything that can unlock mechanisms to repair or replace tissues. And that ranges from uh, neurology down to cardiac and skeletal muscle to organs, individual organs, um, cells. Um, it's, it's quite encompassing. Um, and it's stem cell research, it's tissue engineering, it's, it's a broad palette of techniques that can be applied. For example, some cancers um, are replacing tumour cells uh, using a, a technique called CAR T therapy. Um, it can be in the case of an organ that uh, isn't working or that you've lost uh, replacement ear, for example. There's a lot of people working on uh, 3D printing of uh, ears. Um, so so it's, it, as I say, it's quite broad. Wow. So, so Army at Monash, this is the sort of stuff they're working on? So we have a combination of uh, researchers who are working on five uh, main themes. We can't do everything. Uh, and those 230 researchers collaborate fairly closely with themselves and with other leading uh, centres around the world. And we focus on heart and skeletal muscle. Uh, we have a very strong neural Generation theme, which looks at uh, neurodegenerative disorders such as Alzheimer's, uh, muscular uh, multiple sclerosis. Um, we have uh, a very good immunology and regeneration theme. Uh, have recently introduced an organ engineering and synthetic biology stream. And a lot of this is underpinned by stem cell research. So we have some of the world's best stem cell researchers working for us mm. as well. Are you 3D printing ears? Uh, we are not, but we could certainly introduce you to someone who is doing that if you'd like to collaborate with them. No, I'm good. My ears are You're fine. fine. Yep. So where does Australia stand with respect to... Um, the, the maturity of our regenerative medicine sector 
you know, compared to to other markets in the world? In terms of our research, uh, we punch above our weight, and that's been recognised both uh, locally and internationally. And in fact, uh, uh, we were instrumental in developing a. Uh, a project along with MTP Connect last year that looked at the opportunities for Australia in regenerative medicine that was released late last year. And, and that study found that the opportunities for Australia based on our very good research and the infrastructure that we have here uh, potentially allows us to uh, take advantage of what is happening worldwide in regenerative medicine. Um, and, and what is happening is significant in terms of the cures that are now coming through, but also the degree of investment that's happening. Uh, last year, worldwide, there was 11 billion US dollars invested in regenerative medicine, most of it in cell and gene therapy. And that, that was a, a 70% increase on the previous year. And those of us who know industry a little bit will know that when you get that level of investment um, and particularly that increase in investment, the promise of research in stem cells and regenerative medicine is at our doorstep and the companies that, that are interested in the therapies, the pharmaceutical companies, the investors um, are now um, supporting it with their, their dollars. The report actually said that if we are able to take advantage of that, and we should be able to, there's a significant industry that we can develop here in Australia, and that's uh, now uh, being considered by a number of people who who are uh, hoping to act on the recommendations in that report. So that, that report that Silvio refers to, you can find that on MTP Connect's website, which is mtpconnect.org.au. Just go to the reports section and it is there. So the time is now, it would seem, that we, um, we, uh, we enliven the sector and, and, and drive it to take advantage. The time is now. Um, and uh, if we don't... Other countries who've recognised the potential of regenerative medicine, not just as an industry, but for the benefit of their health expenditure in future, everyone's getting a little bit older. Uh, countries like Japan and, and some that we might not recognise immediately, like Korea, are really investing heavily in in this sector, um, both in medical research, health research, uh, supporting uh, companies to develop. And, and it's not about developing products necessarily or primarily for Australians. The products that we're developing in the Regen Med sector apply internationally. So it's, it's really important that um, we take that view of, of our, our research and our support for the sector. Which brings us right back to the commercialisation challenge and the work that you're doing at CCRM Australia. Um, tell us, tell us a little bit more about some of the initiatives, um, for, for example, in training that you're doing to help uh, engender a, a greater commercialisation sense. Sure. So some of the uh, training that's needed is there are a, a number of training programs for commercialisation in the biotech sector. And, and people do take advantage of those. 
There are some specific skills that you need in regenerative medicine uh, based on the technologies that are happening and and that makes them different to you need to have a different awareness of some of the problems in regenerative medicine and a good example might be uh, the logistics side of things where a, a cellular therapy requires a, a tissue sample to be collected uh, transported uh, perhaps to another continent and then returned, uh, modified appropriately for that individual patient um, without any deterioration in quality. All of the usual supply-side logic goes out the window unless you're aware of all of this. And and in fact, uh, this is another industry that's ready to be developed, the the process of... uh, processing samples suitable for personalised medicine, um, the modification of those, those t- that tissue sample for, uh, for that particular patient and making sure that it's, it meets that person's needs when they need it in a timely fashion. So all of this uh, actually means that there are some very clever people turning their mind to it and you can imagine um, pharmaceutical companies who are establishing facilities. Where do you build these facilities to meet these needs, to meet the needs of most of the patients? There are logistics companies who want to transport samples who need to get... Uh, uh, different processes in place to secure the the quality of the the uh, samples. It's 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 a fantastic opportunity for working in the regen med space in terms of developing new techniques, not just the scientific techniques. It might seem like a pretty straightforward question, but why why are we focusing so heavily on the need to commercialise here in Australia? And and if we weren't or we aren't doing it. What happens? So when you don't commercialise, you have a a great idea in a lab and a great technology, but it doesn't go anywhere. So it's important that uh, the technology, whether it's a a therapy or a technique or a modification or, in fact, an instrument, um, is able to hit the market. We can do this whether we do it in Australia or in the States. The whole world is looking for good ideas and there is lots of money out there in the whole world. So a lot of our companies spend a lot of time in North America, Europe, uh, trying to uh, promote their, their discoveries, their technology and get funding for it to be developed. There's no reason why we can't do that here and retain some of that value for Australia. Because yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's the, re- the retaining of the value and then the, the, the jobs that are associated with that that are, that are yeah. then created and kept in Australia. So through you're 100% correct. Through, through our connections with Australian companies, the common refrain is we would rather do it here. But we will go to, in this case, Japan, because they are willing to support it both with uh, the finances and, in some cases, the the facilities that that we need. Uh, If we're able to retain some of that activity here, it creates uh, extra economic benefit in terms of the jobs that, that are highly skilled and being developed and in high demand around the world here in Australia. Um. 
you've you've talked previously about international linkages, and obviously you've got you've got uh, heritage in Canada. Mm. How are those alliances coming along, and is there um, competition that that you know an idea in Australia you don't necessarily want to share with uh, with a colleague in Canada? I, I think it's reasonable to say that there is a, there's always been a level of competition particularly in the scientific field. However, most people are pragmatic enough to know that you need to collaborate with the best in the world if you possibly can. We're working closely with, uh, as I said, Canada, but also Israel. Uh, Japan is very keen to work with us, um, as is Korea and and, uh, some centres in Europe. In fact, uh, all of those have... Uh, specific advantages that they can offer to the network that is unique. And so a a good example is the regulatory environment that Japan has established, which actually facilitates the delivery of regenerative medicines much quicker. They've just introduced it. It's starting to develop um, some momentum, and we can learn a lot from that. they are very keen to better understand our basic research. Um, And Japan has some of the larger uh, pharmaceutical companies who uh, um, specialise in regenerative medicine. So we can help each other in that that respect. And I think that's the approach that we should take. Mm. Israel has uh, a very good start-up mentality and a very aggressive fundraising um, ability uh, that that is internationally recognised. We can learn from them. They want to work with us for our research and our um, capability as well. So it's it's about harnessing the resources that are available to us around the world for mutual benefit or with the end game of uh, uh, increasing the number of regenerative medicine therapies. And and then ultimately better patient health better, and well-being. Better patient outcomes. Yeah. And um, uh, what, what a lot of governments like to see is uh, reduced health expenditure. So what is next for CCRM Australia? So CCRM Australia is the first hub of the CCRM network that's been established. We're we're helping some of the other hubs uh, to be established. Uh, Each of the hubs will be modelled along the Centre for Commercialisation of Research, uh, Regenerative Medicine uh, operational model, but each of them have their unique uh, elements based on on local. So, so we're providing some advice on some of the other hubs. Eventually, there will be about six or seven hubs uh, that will form a global network of hubs, and we will use some of the the complementary skills that we have to tackle some of the big challenges. Um, and that puts us on a uh, very much an international uh, footing to approach uh, some of the the larger uh, um, organisations that might support um, research in this area, such as uh, the United Nations, the Bill, uh, some of the larger foundations. So that's CCRM Australia. What's your view of the potential for the regenerative medicine sector in Australia generally? 
So, as you said earlier, now's the time to act. Um, The report that came out last year made a number of recommendations around training, around uh, developing uh, certain um, necessary pieces of infrastructure that needed to be in Australia. Um, It required, um, it it recommends uh, consistent support Uh, from government and all of this mirrors what other countries are doing so uh, a Japanese government that says uh, our population is ageing more rapidly than anyone else in the western world we will focus on regenerative medicine and we will uh, support some of these programs for a long time so Mm. it's not just the political cycle. Mm. So long-term government investment is needed. Um, I think support for the continued internationalisation of our science, um, our researchers um, and our smaller companies really are challenged geographically and need to travel a lot. That can be quite expensive. We need to find a way way to do to overcome that, some of those problems. Um, and I think uh, in terms of the economic benefit back to Australia if all of these measures are introduced, that Opportunities report spells it out pretty clearly yeah. that, um, that they're significant and an opportunity will be lost if we don't act now. And I note that the Medical Research Future Fund's new research priorities specifically calls out healthy ageing mm-hmm. and flags a need for increased investment in research in that area, which perhaps um, will unlock... That's what we're talking about. Yeah. And in fact, that's what most governments around the world, um, they use the term regenerative medicine or healthy ageing or, or along those those lines. It's actually focusing on... Um, uh, a regenerative medicine approach of repairing and replacing. Now, you talked earlier about um, some some therapies which to the layperson might seem quite futuristic. They're, they're years down the track. Mm-hmm. Are there examples of regener- regenerative medicine therapies which, which are available to patients today? Uh, yes, there are. Um, they're starting to come through. Um, certainly, there are... A, uh, some blood cancers that were previously incurable that can now be cured using some of the, the techniques that we've been developing over the last few years. These are bloodborne cancers in particular. A lot of effort is being um, uh, put into um, tissue-based uh, cancers, but uh, bloodborne cancers are now being cured with one shot basically, um, and some of uh, the listeners who've heard of CAR-T therapy will be more more than familiar with that. Um, there are some um, degenerative diseases that uh, have a number of products in uh, Phase 2 and Phase 3 trials, um, particularly arthritis, um, and uh, a lot of work from Japanese companies in this area. Um, there's some good work being done in Australia with um, mesenchymal stem cells. Um, some of the larger companies like Mesoblast, based in Melbourne, and some smaller companies like Sinata are all punching above their weight. They have products that um, uh, are being licensed uh, in some cases in particular jurisdictions or at uh, late, uh, late phase clinical trials. 
And the question that occurs to me when you're talking about these very precisely targeted for the individual, really, therapies is cost. Mm. What, 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 what is the cost of some of these therapies? So this is another industry that's being developed. How do you actually uh, uh, address a particular product that in this case might cost six or $700,000 that will cure an individual and which health insurer is going to pay that much and which governments are going to say yes to all of its population being treated for this particular condition at this rate. Um, And as with most new technologies, there's always an early adopter price, so to speak. Um, So there are ideas being thrown around about how to to manage this. And and it's an interesting um, conversation that we might have on another day, but uh, a a young patient who develops a particular cancer that can be cured for six or seven hundred thousand dollars, that seems a trivial amount for a lifetime of productivity of that, that patient. So there's that that question mm. that needs to be answered. Um, so um, there's minds more in, greater than mine that can that can wrestle with that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of work there for some health economists in the in the we're, medium. We're, we're creating employment for health economists, um, supply uh, chain uh, experts, um, as well as the researchers uh, and uh, those jobs that are in the companies that are producing the product. Sylvia, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and getting to know CCRM Australia. Thank you you for coming in and speaking with us. My pleasure. 